morning, family. So good to be home. Are you well? Great. This morning, I want to encourage all of us to keep going. Those two words, keep going. It's only February, but how many feel the need to keep going already? And I'm asking that God would help us to keep going in worshiping and serving him only, to keep going in marriage, to keep going in family, to keep going in purity, to keep going in our work, to keep going in who he's called us to be as Grace Covenant Church, to be people who, as our three E's indicate, that we're encountering him, we're experiencing community, and we're extending the kingdom. And I recognize that there are challenges to keep going. And so this morning, I'm asking that by his spirit, we actually would be coached by him in the best practices of how we keep going in life personally and how we keep going in extending the kingdom of God. How many of you desire that? Father, help us today. And so I want to read one verse. These are the words spoken by Jesus to those who were closest to him. And we can hear them, we can understand them, receive them, and apply them to ourselves. We'll read this verse, then we'll read the larger text that it comes from. We'll pray and we'll trust God to help us today. Amen? So the word that he spoke is found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. It's a key to winning. Key to winning in life. If you were using uh, athletics as an analogy, it's key to winning the game. This is a key that's essential. Jesus speaking to Peter, to James, and to John, men who, among others, had been with him for some three years. And at this moment, so significant, he gives them a key. He says, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. It's amazing key. Jesus, in serving the purpose of God, in encouraging those with him to serve the purpose of God, his request is not for the ability to, to communicate truth well, not the ability just to heal the sick, his request is specifically, men, watch and pray. Why? So that we do not fall into temptation. So the context for us to keep going is this. We are watching and we are praying so that we do not fall into temptation while we're going for God. That our passion and our sense of purpose toward God is Lord, in going for you, we do not want to be minimized. We don't want to be diminished in any way by falling into temptation. We want to keep going. In other words, we're not just trying to avoid falling into temptation for temptation's sake so that we can say, hey, today I didn't fall into temptation. Great. Ours is a different course. It's while we're going for God. It's while we're pursuing him and greatness that he's called us to. We don't want to fall into temptation and somehow minimize our effectiveness for him. Amen? Yeah. And so the larger context in Matthew 26, 
I want to read this beginning in verse 31, and we're going to read a good bit of scripture to give the context of that. It says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. And the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning for this moment. Equip us, please, so that we may keep going like we never have before. Amen. How many of you are familiar with this passage? Jesus is putting into practice one of the winning keys that he has always practiced. Praying. Watching and praying so that he will not fall into temptation. If you remember, just prior to the start of his public ministry, he was tempted three times. And he won that battle through the word of God and prayer. And here he is, three years later, winning a significant battle for all of us. And he's encouraging us to join him as we see Peter, James, and John, and the others. So I want us to look closely at a few things and apply the keys that are here. First thing, Jesus expresses something to Peter, to James and John, three of the twelve, that he expresses to no one else. He says to them, 
My soul is overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now hear this. What he's expressing to them is something that he has not expressed to any of the crowds who have followed him. He's not expressed it to uh, many who are following him. Even among his disciples, he has not expressed this except to the three. He's expressing really where he is in his soul to three men. And there is a need that we have to be able to express what is at work in our soul to those who walk closest with us in a way that they are able to be with us in that moment. There are times when you experience things in your soul and you're not able to express it to everyone, but there needs to be a core group before whom you open up your soul and you go, here's where I am in this moment. And in no way does it minimize who you are in their eyes because they realize this is what happens in the soul of all those who are engaged in the purpose of God, engaged in going for God, engaged in the battle, working it out. We recognize that this is part of what happens to us while going for God. And so to no one else, but to these three alone, he arrives at the garden with 11. Judas, who is betraying him, is not present in that moment. He says to all of them, sit here, wait while I go and pray. He looks at Peter, James, John. He says, come with me, going just a little farther. He says to them as he begins to become sorrowful and he's, he's grieved and he's overcome with depression. And he says to them, men, my soul is overwhelmed. As he begins to feel the terror, the horror, the utter shock of the weight of man's sin, man's punishment, man's judgment coming upon him. And physically and emotionally and mentally, the weight is unbearable. And so in his soul, he cries out to the men, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. It's amazing. And he says, here's the winning key. Watch and pray with me so we can keep going. Watch and pray with me so we do not fall into temptation. Now, how many of you can identify with something like that? We need to, first of all, three things here. Assess is the first one. Assess where we are in our soul. That's the first thing. Once you assess, then you need to adjust. Once you adjust, then you need to understand how we make access. First, assess. Why are you angry? Anyone here ever been angry? Raise your hand if you've been angry. If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to get angry. <laughs> you ever been filled with sorrow, grief? This is what happens to the human soul. The soul is amazing. It's that part of us that comprises really our emotions and our thoughts our heart and our mind. The heart is the organ of feeling. The mind is the organ of thought. And the soul has the capacity to experience a wide range of emotions and thoughts. You can go from anger to joy, sorrow, depression. These are things that are, are part of the humanity in which we all share. Jesus shared in that humanity. But the soul is not the place where we have the capacity by itself to live out God's will. That part of us is our spirit. When the spirit, 
which is that part of us that is most like God, because the Bible says God is spirit. Therefore, when he made man and made us in his image and his likeness, we also became spiritual beings. So your spirit is not the same as your soul. Your spirit is that part of you which is most like God. And when it is renewed, when it is made alive, when it is regenerated by the spirit of God, when it's born again, all those words, when it moves from being lost to found, dead to alive, it has the capacity to receive that which comes only from God. Power comes from God. Peace comes from God. Strength comes from God. Joy comes from God. And by not by my soul merely, but when my spirit is enjoying intimacy with the Lord, I'm able to receive what he freely gives. And so the power I need to endure to keep going is not that which comes from my soul, but it's that which comes from God to my spirit. And then my spirit governs my soul. My soul governs my body. And I'm able to be led by the spirit, not driven by my soul or my body. This is how you practice being a believer. In your soul, you can have the best intentions. In your soul, we can be well-meaning. In our soul, we cannot accomplish God's will. Just doesn't have the capacity. Wasn't designed for it. But so many of us as believers live out our life well-meaning, well-intentioned, making convictions from our soul, not knowing that the soul doesn't have the capacity to get the job done. With me? So whatever you feel in your soul, the first thing is to do is to assess. Why are you angry? God comes to Cain in love. He loved Cain as much as he loved Abel. He was trying to help Cain. Cain, why are you angry, man? See, because if you can assess where you're on your soul, then you can begin to direct your soul to God. When you don't, uh, Charles Spurgeon, great man, described prayer in one word. He said, cry. A prayer is a cry. Oftentimes when we're dealing with something in our soul, we will cry, but we will cry not to God. We will cry oftentimes to the object or person of our offense. You're not with me. I'll help you. So uh, Friday evening, my wife and kids, this was a few years ago, we were arriving in downtown Silver Spring, excited, going to have dinner together, family night, yay, we're all happy. We pull into the garage, there's a vacant parking space. I do what most people do, I'm, a part, I'm about to turn into the space, so I turn to my turn signal. Before I move, a car comes from nowhere, zooms into the spot. Can you feel me now? Just want to be sure. From my soul, I begin to feel something coming up out of me. It, and it didn't come from God. It came from my soul. And as it's rising, I remember that I need to pray. And that this has happened before. And I've prayed about this moment. And I have prepared for how I desire to respond. And I'm hoping it'll work this time. So when he pulls into the spot, I go, (sighs) I catch my breath. By the way, the word spirit is pneuma, breath. Sometimes when your soul's about to engage, you need to catch your breath. Not just take a deep breath, but catch your breath. And I pray a simple prayer. Lord, help me. Don't have time for the Lord's Prayer. Don't have time for a long, <laughs> our Father in heaven, hallowed. No time. God, help me. It's a cry because I'm angry. But in my anger, I'm turning to God. Lord, help me. 
My wife and kids are there with me. You okay, babe? Not yet. Not yet. Lord, help me. Because I can't keep going in the will of God in this moment. And it's not Gethsemane, it's just the garage. But if I can't handle the weight on my soul in the garage, I'll never get to Gethsemane. So in the garage, I'm saying, God, help me, strengthen me. And I'm reminded of what's in my glove compartment. So I open it. I reach in my hand and I pull out something. And you who are still in your soul are thinking, unlike I am. I step out of the vehicle. I tell my family, watch this. Be with me. Pray. And they're with me like, you got it, Dad. And I walk over to the car. I stay a safe distance so he doesn't feel like I'm in harm's way. Excuse me, sir. He rolls out in the window. I said, I don't know if you're aware, but my family and I are arriving to have dinner. I have a wife and four girls. And this is our space, but you, you, you pulled into it. He said, oh, I didn't know it was yours. Mm-hmm. Even though you didn't know. Now you do. May we have the space. No, no, I didn't know. I, I got here first. It's mine. Okay. I step toward the car. I extend my hand. I give him a Starbucks gift card. I said, this is for me, my wife, and kids. Enjoy something on us. God bless you. I back away from the car. I get in the van. High five! My soul didn't win. My spirit did. And my spirit governed my soul. And that man experienced the kindness of God. What is kindness? Treating people better than they deserve. Whether he knew it or not, we still treated him better than he deserved. And has not God treated us with kindness? He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He treats us better than we deserve. That's the principle that you have to practice in the garage, at home, wherever you are, if you're going to keep going. Because in our soul, we don't have the capacity to get our own life together, much less serve the purpose of God. And some of us struggle between, man, I really want to do more at Grace Covenant Church. I want to give to one of those chairs. I want to be the next chair, 400 whatever, 500 whatever. And you think, I don't have the capacity. I'm just trying to get the chair in my own house right. Let me tell you, it will never be getting it right at home first in your own soul that allows you to get there. It's when you are receiving something from the Spirit, you're now empowered to take both at the same time. It's no longer bifurcated. It's all one thing. Somebody ought to get that. Because we always think, I'm getting there, God, but I got to get this first. And God goes, no, when you get me first, everything else comes together. So the first thing is to assess. Why are you angry? Why are you sorrowful? And then let your cry come to God, not just to the object of your offense. Um, The second thing is you need to adjust. You got to come to God in faith. It's not just understanding where you are in your soul, but now there has to be a transfer of your confidence and your faith away from you to God. Sometimes your soul is overwhelmed with a sense of inadequacy. Anybody ever felt inadequate? I feel inadequate more than I like to. But I'm learning something, and I want to encourage us this morning. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we live with this sense of inadequacy. It's not just that it comes from time to time. We live with the sense of inadequacy. Why? That our adequacy may come from God. So when inadequacy is in my soul, I don't try to get my soul to feel inadequate. I, by the Spirit, pray so that adequacy comes from God to my spirit, and then my spirit governs my soul and the inadequacy in me. So I'm not ruled by inadequacy. I'm governed by my spirit, which just received adequacy from God. I'm not adequate to preach to you. But my adequacy doesn't come from me. If I look to it from me, I'll be overwhelmed by it. But if I look to God for adequacy, what the Spirit can do is phenomenal. So this is important. 
Assess what you're overwhelmed with. Adjust by coming to God in faith and relying on Him by the Spirit to get what you can't find in yourself. Rely on God to get what you cannot find in yourself. Thirdly is access. It needs to be our practice watching and praying, accessing the Spirit. I want you to see what happens here. Earlier that night, as we read, Peter, James, John, and all the other disciples expressed with deep conviction from their soul, even if I have to die, I will never disown you. I believe they meant that with all sincerity. But I believe it was the conviction of their soul, and they didn't realize that the only way to die with God is that they were going to have to die to themselves, disown themselves, and tag in, if you will, to being filled by the Spirit. Here's why. Jesus says, watch and pray. And they end up not watching and praying. They are sleeping and resting. That's not the key to the game. The key to the game is watching and praying. So here's Jesus in his first prayer. Remember, he is feeling the weight of our sin and of all humanity crushing on him. The horror of that on his humanity was physically breaking his body down. And he first won the battle on the cross in the garden. Mm. Can I use a basketball analogy? If this is the foul line, free throw, and this is the hoop and someone's going to dunk on you, you don't get beat here when everyone is yelling and screaming. This is where you get beat. It's when the guy goes like this, Reggie Brown. He leans left and you go for it, and then he comes back the other way, and you're still going that way. And he's running. Everybody caught that picture? That's when you got beat. Now the crowd is going, oh, boom, oh. <laughs> Woo, he dunked on him. But this isn't where you lost. This is where you lost. Cross Gethsemane. Cross Gethsemane. Cross. Say it with me. Cross Gethsemane. And many of us live our lives thinking we're going to win at the cross. Too late. It's like walking down the aisle and getting married and trying to make up your mind. Am I going to say I do? Too late. You're supposed to do that back here. You shouldn't even be walking down the aisle. If you're carrying the cross, it's because you've already won. You win in Gethsemane when nobody else is there. And while he was in Gethsemane, he's praying the first prayer. Father, if it is possible... For the weight of this judgment, punishment, sin of humanity that's crushing my soul, crushing my emotions, crushing my thoughts, please let it pass away. That's the first prayer. Then he goes back and they're not praying. They're sleeping and resting, thinking they're going to be ready for game time. Then the second prayer is different than the first. Father, if it is not possible... Subtle difference, but significant. First prayer, if it is possible. Second prayer, if it is not possible. Subtle, but significant. First prayer, all things are possible with you. The weight of this is overwhelming. My soul can't bear it. 
My will is if there's another way, but not my will your way. The tension between the soul and the spirit is brought into unity and alignment through praying. And so second prayer, he's praying and his soul has moved from if it's not possible, from if it is possible to if it is not possible. It's the resignation of himself to his own will. He's disowning himself by the time of the second prayer. Are you with me? You pray this, God, if it's your will, can I? God, if it's your will, can I marry that person? God, if it's your will, can I get that job? God, if it's your will. And the hope is that you'll get it. Second prayer, God, if it's not your will, I want what you want. God, if it's not your will, I want what you want. You've moved. You've moved. And you're being strengthened with power to do what you can't in your soul. Third prayer is, if it ain't your will, I want what you want. Third prayer goes back, y'all still sleeping and resting? Yeah, 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 but we ain't going to disown you. We ain't going to disown you. We're good, we're good. <laughs> Careful, I forgive me, Lord. Peter has done far more than I have. And I will see him. He might revisit this sermon and say, why did you say that? <laughs> Love you, Peter. Love you, James and John. Pray I get to meet you and sit at your feet along with Jesus. All right. So I just realized I, when I say things about guys in scriptures, I think if I meet him in person, all I've said about them. <laughs> it's like talking about them behind their back. So I just have a conscience. So this, this moment is significant because in Luke 22, it says an angel appeared to him, strengthening him. Where? In his spirit. So that his spirit governed his soul, his emotions and his thoughts, and governed his body. And how do you know he's strengthened? Because he says, rise, let's go. Not rise, let's run. My betrayer's coming. Mount up. And it's a beautiful thing because he goes... They say, who, where is Jesus? He says, I am he. And to strengthen him, the power of God that enabled him to go all the way to the cross, to keep going, in that moment is so powerful that when he says, I am he, it says that when he spoke those words, the power actually knocked them backwards and they fell to the ground. Meaning they didn't have the capacity to arrest him. He had the capacity by his spirit, not soul, to surrender. That's power not to run. Then Peter, who has said, I'll die with you, takes out his sword. I got him, Jesus, watch out. Cuts the guy's ear off. Peter's a fisherman. He's been doing this his whole life. A swordsman would have taken the head off this way. But when you're a fisherman, that's how you... In your soul... You were sleeping and resting. And many of us don't realize all the activity that comes out of our soul. Because when you're in your spirit, you're doing something different. Peter would have looked at Jesus and he would have dropped his sword and say, if you've taken him, you've got to take me too. But because he was sleeping and resting, watching the game. Could have been in the word, but he was watching the game. Shopping, but she could have been in the word. I'm just saying, pray on the way to the mall. Pray during the commercials. Pray during halftime. If you don't have the exercise of praying all the time, not just in the morning before you go to bed, you don't have any strength in your spirit. Then you get up and wonder why you're weak. Because your spirit is willing, but it has to tap into God's. And so here's Jesus in his strength. Takes the ear of the man who is his enemy, puts it back on his head, and blesses him and heals him. And says, you can arrest me now. You cannot do that in your soul. That's the spirit. And he goes all the way to the cross. And guess how strong he is? Being tortured, 
verbally, physically abused beyond what any of us know, goes, Father, forgive them all. We need to be people who keep going because we watch and pray. We assess where we are in our soul. We adjust by coming to him in faith, and we access him by praying and watching and praying and watching until the spirit fills you and governs your soul and your body. Father, I thank you for these great people.